good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I certainly appreciate you spending part of your Saturday morning with me. And today's show is a pre-recorded show. That means you can't call in live, but you can always reach me by going to the website at www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Just click on the contact button and send an email. Today's show is a pre-recorded show from back in 2009. A lot of really good calls and a lot of good information. I hope you enjoy it. Let's listen to our show already in progress. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we got every single line wide open. Go ahead and call us right now. It'll be the best possible time to get in. That's it. First of the show is always a good time. People will wait till the last few minutes of the show and right. call and right. just don't have time to really get a good in-depth answer. Right. Well, a lot of times we have to kind of rush people off the air because they'll call in right at the end of the show and just not enough time to explain whatever it is that you're trying to explain right so, and also there's all these people who are actually left holding at the end of the show and you don't get a chance to answer a question but right of course if that does happen to you that's right you can always visit our website it's www.agcoauto.com that's a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o.com right and the easy way to remember that's Zan's garage company that's right and there's three databases on our site that you can search there's the vehicle questions which right. is kind of a short to the point answer to a certain question right. <laughs> <laughs> there's the agco questions right. which are questions that deal with just agco automotive if you care to do business with us right for instance one of the more popular ones is how much do you charge for a diagnosis that's a question that we get a lot because everything that we do we diagnose it nurse we don't quote prices without diagnosing the right. problem first right you won't see a price chart anywhere on our facility right. because that leaves us so many problems it does. Yeah, just most of the problems in the automotive industry can be traced back to that one particular problem where exactly people are not diagnosing the problem they're spewing prices and of course when you go in price you pay is not anywhere close to what was quoted to you and that really doesn't help anybody at all so how we charge for a diagnosis that's in there that's right there's also the detailed topics right which lewis has taken a certain topic say one on coolant well, and break, wrote break a hoses. wrote an in-depth article on Certain topics. Right. Just probably almost everything you want to know about a specific topic. Like right. there's one in there on timing belts. There's one in there on oil filters. There's one in there on old tires. Old That's tires. very, very, very popular. Old tires with good tread. Because a lot of times people will look at their tires and they'll say, man, they're great. Got plenty of rubber left on them. Right. But what they don't realize is that the tires are six, seven, eight, or older and very, very dangerous. You wouldn't serve your family a one-month-old glass of milk. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But we don't realize that tires also get old and has an expiration on them. Yeah, I took a set off the other day off of a 10-year-old vehicle. Right, Still right. had the original tires on right. and Lots still, of tread. Still they still look, look good. good. Other than the cracks in the tread. Uh, read it. that article. It's, it's called Old Tires, Good no tread, tread, or something to that effect. Yeah, just type in something like tread or old tires and on the search bar, and it'll come up for you. It might save you a whole lot of trouble and maybe an accident. Exactly. Tons of other good information. Pop on and see what you think, www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. Whole lot of really good information we think you'll like. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Ron on line. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, I'm Lou. Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got a 2002 Tahoe. Uh-huh. And you keep having problem with the bottom running light on the left side going out. Yes, and you sir. see yes, sir. all these Tahoes and yes, sir. these Chevy that, trucks running around with that same common. light out. Yeah, extremely common, Ron. You have to change the socket, what they call a socket pigtail. GM sells those sockets separately. What happens, the socket burns up. When you go in and you pull the old bulb out, the bulb will be kind of burned. But you take and you put a new one in, you kind of shake things around. It'll start working. It'll work for a month or two, and then, bam, it goes right back out again. Right, right. There is updated sockets for that problem. 
Is that a moisture problem? Uh, no, it's just a bad design problem. It's a Chinese socket that <laughs> they put in the truck from, from the get-go. We change those sockets constantly. Right. Uh, if you got a soldering iron and you know how to solder, you can change it yourself. If not, it's a relatively inexpensive thing. We keep the sockets on the shelf to shop. Can you? Is that a local item and you get it? We buy them from Chevrolet. That's what I mean, be an OEM piece. Yeah, I think there may be other places you can get them. I just don't know. I know Chevrolet sells them. I don't remember the exact price on them, but they're not terribly expensive. Okay. All righty. Sounds good. Okay, Ron. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hey, we got Ronald on the line. Good morning, Ronald. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. I got a 1990 Chevrolet pickup truck. All right, sir. I want to know what type of Freon goes in to the air conditioner. That would be R12 is what came in it. That's the regular old what you call Freon. See, Freon is actually a brand name. It's not a product. R12 is the refrigerant that goes in. Oh, yeah, R12. Yes, sir. 134A is the newer stuff. That started around 92. Between 92 and 93, they converted everything over. Now, the thing to remember, Ronald, that unit, R12 is still completely available. You can't go and buy it, but if you're a licensed air conditioning tech, you can still get it. My particular theory is I do not ever convert those systems over. I never do because they don't cool as well, and it leaks out a whole lot more, and it creates a whole lot of problems. I put the original stuff back in. Okay. I've seen hundreds of those units that have been converted, and it's always a problem. You see, on the 134A, the molecules are much smaller, so they tend to leak more. On a system that came with 134A, it's going to have nylon hoses. Your system has rubber hoses. Those old rubber hoses are not going to keep it in. That's one problem. The second problem is your system used mineral oil to lubricate the compressor. 134A will not transport mineral oil, so you've got to take all that out and convert it over to what they call PAG oil. Mm -hmm. And it's just not what it was designed to work with, so it doesn't work as well. The third thing, and to me the biggest thing, is you're going to lose about 10% efficiency of your cooling because it's not as efficient. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, if you lived up in Montana, losing 10% of your air conditioner wouldn't be a big deal. But in South Louisiana, you need everything that unit can do. That's right. And most people can't live with 10% loss of cooling. So I put it back the way God built it. If it's an R12 system, we fix the problems with it, we put the R12 back in it. Okay. And that's overall a whole lot cheaper than trying to convert them over. Now, you're going to pay more for the R12 simply because the government has decided we don't need it and stuck a $30 can tax on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it still costs the same thing it always costs. It just... Our feds are getting $30, $35 on every can we sell, so that's why the price is so high. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right, sir. Thank mm-hmm. you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hire, we'd sure love to have you. And just another example of uh, <laughs> our government has decided we don't need this. So they oh, exactly. Tax they tax out us of out of it. Yeah. You know, it would be one thing if you say, okay, well, you can't use that anymore. Go ahead, all of them from here on will be using this new refrigerant. But why do you want to pop a big old tax on the stuff for the old vehicles that guys are just trying to get by? Because they can? Absolutely. Just a big old windfall profit That's to somebody. It. You know? That's it. Going yeah. in somebody's pocket up oh, there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. A 30-pound cylinder of R12 used to cost about $25. Right. Now it's over $1,000. Oh. <laughs> and it's all tax. <laughs> oh, I, I we used to buy it a dollar a can. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Man. Hey, boy, Jeez, I tell you, yes. what a world, huh? I'm telling you. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, 
My car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we've got every line wide open right now. Go ahead and give us a call. I'm glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. Try to give you some automotive advice. Try to get you going again or right. get you stopped, maybe? Well, you know, old car won't start. Old car won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The, uh, any other thing you might, any automotive topic or even any non-automotive topic. What the heck? There you go. Yeah, I'm kind of like Rush. Just kind of open. Yeah, that's right. Open, open. open live Saturday. There we'll you go. About whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> The cash for clunkers deal, and that's one of my particular sore spots. I was just kind of reading some information on it last night, and they said, of course, there's tons of information and misinformation. Right. But they said, it looks like there's just a whole lot of fraudulent activity involved with that. I think we hadn't even begun to see the problems, the ways they're accounting for the cars and one thing or another. Just appears as a whole lot of improprieties involved with that program. Yeah, well, anytime you deal with the federal government, you know, you got to have I'm the uh, government. I'm here to help you. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest statement you never want to hear. Yeah, boy, you better look out. Well, what it did, an awful lot of folks who had a car that they could afford, right? put them in a car now that they can't afford. Their payments have gone way up. They're in debt for the next six years. Insurance payments went sky high because the old car all they happened to have was liability. Now they got right. to have full coverage on it. Maybe mm-hmm. you hadn't planned on that. Not only that, but the technology that they're involved with now is so incredibly complex. They've got a car now they can't possibly repair themselves. It's going to cost an arm and a leg to maintain it. When it breaks, for the most part, it has to be fixed. It's not like the old car where the ABS light came on, you can just leave it on. Right. May have inadvertently bought a car that takes a special rated tire. Oh, yeah. That are real expensive to replace. Now we're deep in debt. we got technology that we can't afford to maintain i guess the next thing is going to be the car crisis i was just fixing to say i think we're gonna have a car <laughs> crisis I, I told people so you think i should buy a car so, no wait about a year It'd be tons and tons of them on the market exactly Believe me. one and two year old cars on the market and you'll be able to pick them up for a song man. there you go what you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> boy i was working on the website and guy asked me a question about a fan clutch and that's one of those things you don't really think a whole lot about uh, until it gives you a problem exactly and you know fan clutches are one of those things like so many other things that really look kind of simple and is fairly complex in the way that it operates right and can cause all sorts of problems and what a fan clutch is is basically a device that disengages the fan when it's not needed and by not needed, I mean when the engine's running cool or when it's driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour. And doesn't need that excess air. You don't really need that airflow. And so you can turn the fan off and save an awful lot of power draw because a fan can pull up to 20 horsepower away from an engine, hmm. which takes energy to turn it and so on and so forth. Right. But his question was, is when he's idling, you're sitting idling like at a drive-thru, 
on a hot day, his engine sounds like it's running real fast. And he thought Correct. he had a transmission problem. He brought it by, we drove it, and you could look at the tachometer, and the tachometer was not rising, but the engine just sounded like it was really tearing up. And what it was is that big old fan is pulling so much air because the clutch is now locked up. The clutch is up. now locked up, exactly. And it does that to keep the engine from overheating, number one, but also to keep the head pressure on the air conditioning from going sky high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to pull air through that condenser. And those can be really, really noisy. So that's actually normal operation for that particular they've, vehicle. And they've actually gone, I guess, I wouldn't say full circle, but now they're some of them are actually electronically controlled Well, right. Clutches. They're pulse-width modulated where they can lock an infinite amount of ways. Before, your mechanical clutches, it was either locked or unlocked. Right. They had a thermostatic coil on the front, and when it got to a certain temperature, it locked the clutch, and the fans started to pull. When it cooled down, it unlocked the clutch. But with the pulse width modulated electronic clutches, they can actually, the computer can run it at 50%, 60%, 70%. It can run it at any speed it wants. It's just like having an electric fan almost being controlled. Without the draw without, of the electric right. fan. And the other side of that is the old clutch assembly probably costs between <laughs> $60 and $150. These cost four to $600. Right. And, and we're changing a go bunch bad a whole of lot more. <laughs> we're changing a bunch of. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's just another one of those things. In fact, they can actually make your check engine light come on. You right. Pop a check engine light, and it's the fan clutch not working right. Another thing that we were seeing, we had a guy come in. Oh, I don't know, right along the same type of topic. His air conditioning, when he would sit idling, would not cool, and the engine was not overheating at all. In fact, the engine was running too cool. Okay. It was down about a quarter of the way up, and he was pretty confused by this. He just couldn't figure out what was going on, and he had changed a whole lot of parts on his air conditioner, had them changed. He had changed the compressor, and he had changed several things, but it just, at an idle, it just wouldn't cool. Right. Upon checking it, what we found is that when the vehicle was running at, say, 1,500 RPM, or driving down the road, the head pressures were good. The pressure was good on low side and high side. At an idle, the high side pressure was going way up. And when that happens, it quits cooling. Now, why was that happening? He had actually put a lower degree thermostat Thermostat. in the engine, thinking that that was good, which it's not. And the fan clutch operates off of the temperature of the airflow coming through the radiator. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't care about temperature of the engine or anything. It's measuring the airflow temperature because that's what is going to fire it. But with the radiator running so cool... The condenser sitting out front couldn't heat the fan clutch enough to turn it on. So when you would sit at an idle, the fan clutch would actually disengage. It's not drawing air through the condenser. Right. The high side pressure is going sky high, which actually tore up one compressor, and would also quit cooling. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show you how seemingly unrelated things can have other effects. Right. Because the cars are so precisely engineered now, and the later model stuff is even way more so than the old stuff. You just can't substitute a single thing. Well, vehicles are, are designed to run a lot hotter these days right. than they used to right. for a reason. Yeah. They want them to run hotter. They got them doing different things. And, you know, it's all computer controlled now. So the computer can take care of pretty much what they couldn't take care of mechanically right. back in the day. Well, and... One little thing, like changing the thermostat to a different degree, what you've got is actually a system, and you have disrupted the entire system just with that one simple change. A lot of times we see someone may actually go in trying to do the right thing, go to a parts store and buy a thermostat that they think is the right one, and it's some kind of cheap junk from India, put that in, and it doesn't work right, and now the air conditioning quits working. 
and they, they're okay. doing spend right. hundreds if not thousands of dollars trying to solve this problem that was created by something by totally that. unrelated. And unless you get a really sharp diagnostic tech on that, it may take you may not try and do the work yourself. You may not right. even figure it out. And then if you finally break down and take it to someone, mm-hmm. if you can get them the right information and all the information, well, and that's one, the biggest thing. One of the getting, most important pieces of information in this particular case is when did the problem start? Exactly. Well, it started after I flushed my coolant out. Okay. Well, what else did you do? Well, I changed the thermostat. Oh, okay. Bam. Well, now they know where to start exactly. looking. Exactly. And that may save you hours of diagnostic time, and diagnostic time is very expensive. Right. So you don't want to just go in there and say, well, my AC doesn't cool, Bob, I don't know anything else about it. Well, that's fine, and they may go to it, but it may take a lot longer, whereas that one little scrap of information getting related just saved you maybe a couple of hours of diagnostic time of checking other things. Because if you just comes in, first thing they have to do is check the pressure on the system. They have to check, do an efficiency check. They have to test the condenser. They have to test the compressor. They're going to test an awful lot of things that are just going to come back good. Right. But they still have to test them because they don't know where else to start. Whereas if you said the problem began when the thermostat was changed, well, then they maybe go straight to that. Communication. And test that first. Communication. Save, That's... save you a whole lot of money. Right. And get the car fixed a whole lot faster. That sort of thing happens just all the time. We well, see. There go you go. You get to a shop and they've got a big header board up there that says air conditioning service, sixty nine ninety five. Right, right. You walk in there and the air conditioning's not working. What well, must be sixty nine ninety five? That's right. Squirt some more Freon in it. Yeah, yeah. And you end up. Well, now they blew the compressor off the engine because it uh, already had <laughs> it already had right, enough right. charge on it. The head pressure wasn't working right because the thermostat was bad. Right. They put more in there. Well, now you've still got the original problem. Plus, you destroyed the AC compressor. Exactly. So you took a. $75 problem and turned it into a $1,700 problem. With the right communication when you walked in the door, right, you could have avoided the whole well, that situation. Selecting the right shop. Exactly. I don't think you would go to a doctor who had a big board up there that said appendix removed this much, <laughs> cough this much, right. sneeze this much, headache this much. When I go in there with a headache, I want to know, is this just something I need to take an aspirin or do I have a brain tumor? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And I, want, I don't want a one-size-fits-all solution. We got to you know? do a little diagnostic work here. <laughs> That's right one of those things that folks are not really accustomed to doing right and what brings us on an awful lot is in the past you could do those sorts of things and get by with them but nowadays you're going to run out of money way before you run out of possible parts to change most definitely because just like with the air conditioning story how many people would relate a engine thermostat to an air conditioner not cooling at an idle not many how many things could you change oh. hoping to fix that problem before you'd stumble upon Man. that? <laughs> you could throw some parts oh, out. Oh, absolutely. And we see that so very, very, very often. We had a guy come in not too very long ago, had a check engine light on, and it was setting an EGR code, EGR right. flow code. And, of course, first thing we did, tested the EGR valve, and it was fine. And so we tested some other things. And come to find out, someone had changed the fuel pump in the vehicle, and they had crossed the lines between the ground and the cinder unit. Right. So that as the tank filled with fuel, it would lose ground. On the EGR system. It would back, it would back up through the computer and set an EGR light. Right. Now, had he tried to fix it himself, first thing he does, go into a parts store, run the code, it said EGR valve, so he just spent 300 bucks for an EGR valve he didn't need. Right. Put down there with the light still on. What, now what? what might he have done next? I mean, there's no telling the number of things you might have changed, <clears throat> the amount of money you might have wasted, and never, ever got close that's to a right. fuel pump ground wire. Yeah. It, for, just, it makes no sense except that that's what it was. For an hour or, uh, or so diagnostics, 
we figured it out and right. got it straightened out. Right. Got him going. And, you know, the guy's tickled to death. Right. Another classic example, just this week, we had a guy come to the Cadillac DeVille, and the car, when it sits and you go to crank it, eventually it would start. Right. Now, most of the time when that problem occurs, it's a bad fuel pump or bad fuel pressure regulator. Exactly. Uh, and what's happening, the fuel pressure is draining back to the tank, and you know, after a while, it gets so up. Long to- but in this particular case, what had happened is some type of rodent had gotten under the hood and chewed the wire that goes from the relay to the fuel pump, the fuel pump enable relay. Right. Now, right. that would cut the fuel pump off completely, except that on this particular car, it had an all-pressure bypass. It's designed to kill the engine when that all-pressure drops. Right. But in lack of a signal to the fuel pump, it as waits. soon as the oil pressure comes up, it feeds through that circuit. Right. So when you start to crank, the oil pump starts to turn. When you build enough oil pressure, the car would start. It was running through a completely different circuit. Exactly. Now, again, you might have changed a $700 fuel pump for nothing. You might have changed a $200 fuel pressure regulator for nothing, and you'd have still had the exact same problem. The problem was a wire that got chewed off back at the firewall by Caused a low... The- Cause the whole problem or whatever right right and that's the reason why you do diagnosis simply because it's much much cheaper than anything else sure the reason you do diagnosis because it is to save you money right you, you spend an hour diagnosing something instead of even it say even at a hundred dollars an hour right you still saved oh, money by not putting a 700 dollar fuel pump well, in that you didn't need what most folks would do in that case well, car, well yeah mine didn't do that it was a fuel pump okay well, let's go get a fuel pump exactly well they run down to the parts store to buy a fuel pump that's not as good as the one they're taking off it's some kind of cheap aftermarket pump they spend the entire weekend dropping the fuel tank putting that in there they create two evap leaks well now check engine lights on Yep. Put it in there, still got the same cranking problem. Yep. Well, maybe it's fuel pressure regulator. So Let's they go, go spend two hundred dollars more on that, put a part on there that's not yeah. as good as the original one. We now they got a fuel leak. <laughs> we're, already, we're already in this deal. Let's keep going. Yeah. So that now you got seven, eight hundred dollars. You're not as good off as before. You check engine lights on. All that could have been headed off by bringing the car to someone who knows what to do and letting them diagnose it. Even right. if you want to do the work yourself, you'll have them diagnose the problem for you, and then you know exactly what you're doing. I tell you what, it, it's it's a whole lot cheaper to go that route, have somebody diagnose it for you, and a lot of times it's even cheaper to let them go ahead and fix it. Yeah, it because many times you it know is. you end up spending a whole weekend dropping a gas tank. Right. Yeah, you know, that, right. that's a weekend gone. You could have been doing something else. Well, that's right. And not only that, but you you put it back in, and you don't get the seal in because you don't have the right tool to tighten right. that big nut that holds the fuel pump in, and now you got an evap leak. Oh yeah. Well now, and that's a nightmare. It all comes back out again if you can find it. First, you go change a bunch of solenoids and gas caps and all kind of other parts right. you didn't need, trying to find the problem. And eventually, you got to bring somebody who has a smoke machine. They smoke test, take a fuel pumps leaking, and you got it all back take out. Take it again. all back out again. Yeah. And round and round and round it goes. And you know, we see this so very, very, very often. That we do. We, it's that's second our business. nature to us. That's right. But the average person who only encounters this maybe once or twice in their lifetime, they don't see it as clearly that's right and the obvious thing is well i can save a few dollars by doing this myself and man they just don't realize the path that they're heading down well, and that and what's your time worth yeah you know you could be spending that time doing something else right. well, something yeah. you really enjoy instead of working on well, your car <laughs> I, I can paint my own kitchen too but there you go <laughs> i can get a painter to do that i can go do something else i can either make a whole lot more money doing something go. else and get a whole lot better job or i can go enjoy myself doing something else there you go hey we're gonna take one more quick little break and we'll be right back with more in the automotive hour and that's why justin bieber should never i repeat never be cloned hey it's the ask alphonse show with me alphonse the know-it-all cajun hey 
Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it cost you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Oh, yeah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And just in case you don't care to call in or something occurs to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Easy way to remember that's Alvazan's Garage Company. That's right. That'll get you. And there's several databases you can search on our site. That's right. Should you happen not to find what you're looking for, you can always hit the contact bar on every page. And right. Send Lewis a personal email. That's right. And he'll answer it and get it back to or you. Or him personal email. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be glad to answer. You were talking just a second ago about working on your own car. Right. There's nothing wrong with working on your own no, car. No, no, not at all. Some folks enjoy it, but if you're going to do that, get some information. Right. And this is one way you can get some information. If nothing else, go ahead and fire off an email. I would at least try to point you in the right direction and try to keep you from making a mistake or there you go. something that's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. And if nothing else, there's tons of other information on the web, but just go to our site and look up the problem you've got and see if it doesn't pop up with a solution for you. may save you just a whole ton of error. And the worst possible thing to do is go in there and start throwing parts at it. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's a big, big mistake. That is one thing you just don't do. It's sort of like going to a doctor. He says, well, first thing we do is cut you open, look around, see what we can find. Yeah, that sounds like fun, don't Yeah, it? let's don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do a little diagnostic work and let's find out. And I'm not saying that you have to go to a shop to get the diagnostic work done. If you enjoy doing it, go ahead and gain the information, gain the knowledge yourself. There you go. But use a tactical approach where you're actually researching and finding the problem, finding the root cause and not acting on the symptoms. Right. And that's one place that our site can help you out a lot because there's tons of information. Go in there and look at detailed topics first and see if it's covered under one of the detailed topics. You may learn a whole lot of information about the way the system works right there. If not, go to the vehicle questions and see if that problem's already occurred with someone else. You may be able to answer it. There you go. And, of course, if you don't see it on our site, there's lots of other things on the net. The only thing you have to worry about just a tad on the net is when you go to forums, I know there's lots of those in there too. Right. Sometimes I'll read forums you know, i'm putting a keyword it'll come up and you look at what the people are saying you got to remember you don't know who this is saying that i've seen some things that are just totally off base i mean 180 degrees from the truth and they're stating it like as though it's a fact so right be careful where you're looking if you go to the agco site you know who's telling you that and i believe you can pretty much count on what i tell you because i'm not right. gonna put something in there that's not a fact but a lot of times you go to a forum, you just don't know who's making these statements. You just got to be real careful about the information you get from right. where you get it from. Right. And the same thing with getting a car fixed in a shop. I That's know right. all shops should be professionally 
run and all be the same, but it just doesn't work out that way all the time. So just be kind of careful about what you hear. But uh, if you want a, just a good source of information in the city of Baton Rouge, go to our website. Agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right, everything's free on Pop on Air, look around, see what you think, get some good information, and then you maybe save from making a big mistake. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. we got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Lewis. In these tough economic times yes, with everybody trying to uh, get the most bang for their buck. Yes, sir. If I got a question as far as if I don't need any diagnostic services, if yes, I'm sir. just doing preventative maintenance, yes, like sir. changing the transmission fluid. Yes, sir. Right. Why not go with the, the shop that I could with the lowest cost and that I can trust? Well, I can tell All you, Tim, air. you got to watch because services vary so greatly. If you only compare price. Most people do not have the knowledge to know what they're getting for the money. For instance, let's take your Honda. Okay, we go to one shop and they say, we can do a transmission service there for X number of dollars. The next guy says, we're going to do it for 2X. Okay, which one's the better deal? Well, I mean, if they're doing the same thing. But how do you know? Yeah, I mean, if you can, that's why I'm saying that you're doing the same thing. Do you know that your Honda takes a specific transmission fluid that's different from any other kind of transmission fluid? No, I know it does take do they, do they know? Do they know? Do they know? No, no. I... Are they doing the job twice? In other words, are they do what they're supposed to do? The way you service it properly is you fill it, you run it for about 20 minutes, you drain it, you fill it again, and you do it again. Well, obviously, it's going to cost twice as much to do it twice. But if you're only doing it once, you're not getting the same job. Versus if you hook it up uh, a machine. One of these flushes. Right. If you take a machine, you run Dexron 3 through it, it's even cheaper. But you know what? You've done absolutely no good. You may be done some harm. So that's the problem, and we see this every single day. If you go on my website, there's an article called The Difference in Price and Cost, because price is the amount you pay initially. Cost is the amount you pay initially, plus everything else you have to do to make it right after that, divided by how long it lasts. My dad always had a saying, he says, you know, how much do these shoes cost? Well, I don't know, I'm not through wearing them. Because if they they last me one year, they cost me $40 a year. If it lasts two years, it only costs $20 a year. The last four years, it only cost $10 a year. So right. the cost goes down because they last long. Now, if you can't wear them because they rub a blister on your foot, then they cost you a whole lot more, you see? Right. The so thing is, of- see, there is absolutely no standardization in the automotive industry. There is yeah. no one who licenses the like automotive industry. It's like health care. It's like health care. Well, mean, that's a whole yeah, other debacle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, all doctors subscribe Drive to a Hippocratic Oath, and all doctors are trained. and not, It's not the same thing with automotive shops. There is no even license in the automotive business. There's tomorrow, if you want to open an automotive shop, you can go down and get your occupational business license and open a shop, and nobody can stop you. You might not know anything about a car whatsoever, but you could do it. Then you can advertise, you can get some customers, and eventually it's going to regulate itself because you're going to make enough people mad where they're going to quit coming to you and you go out of business. But that's going to take a long time. The fact is that you just can't compare because you don't have all the information. It's such an incredibly technical subject that unless you're very, very, very up on it, it would probably take me two days to explain the difference between doing it one way and doing it another way. We had a lady come in one time, and she was trying to get a price on getting a water pump changed. And I was trying to explain to her, I said, well, are you using an OEM water pump or are you using an aftermarket water pump? Well, I don't know. Are you using a rebuilt water pump? Are they flushing the system out so that it doesn't occur again? Are they putting distilled water in the factory coolant? Are they dumping some kind of cheap coolant in there with city water? I mean, just something as simple as that. And every one of them is going to have a different price. But one's going to last about six months, and the other one's going to last six years. Okay, I understand. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, Tim, thank you, man. Bye-bye.
There you go. I'll get the right. right button sooner or later. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning, sir. Let me tell you that I really enjoy y'all's show. I don't know much about automobiles. Oh, thank you. But I have a question. I have Impala Chevrolet. Yes, sir. My daughter was using it, and she went to start it with a remote, remote starter. Uh-huh. It wouldn't start. Okay. So we, she, we towed it to the dealer. Mm-hmm. They said it was the fuel pump relay. Okay. They changed that. Uh-huh. The battery had shorted out. They changed that. Okay. When I got it back, white lights wouldn't work. The radio sometimes worked, sometimes don't. The radio would work with the switches off. Took it back to them. They kept it five days. They couldn't find anything wrong. Took it back to them again. They kept it four days, and they said it might be the radio. Now, do you have any way way to check that? Because I don't want to go buy a radio if I don't have to have one. Yes, sir. You still under warranty, Lewis? No. Okay, you got a warranty on it. That sounds almost like the body control module Mm -hmm. with all of those problems. I think that possibly that problem got misdiagnosed initially. See, the body control module is going to control everything that has to do with the chassis of the end of the vehicle. Like, for instance, okay. it controls the alternator, which could give you a dead battery. It controls the security system, which could cause it to not start. It controls the radio, which could make your radio come on or not come on. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like you got a body control module issue. Now, that doesn't mean the module's bad. I mean, it could be lacking a ground going to it. It could be a wire that's cut or broken. Has yes. any modifications been done to the car at all? None. Everything's exactly stock? Everything's exactly like it was. Uh, how often does this occur? Well, it does it. It does it different times of the day. Uh-huh. Sometimes uh, the radio would be playing. You stop and go in. You come back out. The radio won't play. Okay. You turn turn it off. Turn the switch back on. The radio will come back on. Now, when you sometimes when it's not working, you punch the radio uh-huh. button and it you get static all through the speakers. Mm-hmm. And what puzzles me is you can let this car sit out all night and go out in the morning and the speakers are working. Yeah. They're not even in the car. Yeah, as long as it will occur on a regular basis, for instance, if you can bring it to the shop and it will occur, it'd be pretty easy to diagnose that. Yeah. What I would do is to hook a digital voltmeter up to the input to the radio, yeah. and then when it occurs and the radio doesn't come on, if I've got 12 volts and ground to the radio when it's not occurring, now I know it's a radio. Well, if you know, I, if they, I don't they, have 12 they, volts and ground, then I know it's upstream, and I'm going to start looking further. The dealer said they unplugged the radio, and it quit. Well, well, if the radio's not plugged up, it's... <laughs> <laughs> How about that, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your shop, I want you to check it out. Paul. Yeah, I, as long as it'll occur, that shouldn't be a big deal to find. Well, I could do, probably, if I could, bring it over there and just leave it. And, you know, that would be the best thing, yes, sir. Go ahead and leave it long enough for me to get it to occur, and as, as soon as it occurs, we can nail it. I mean, that's not okay. a big problem. All right, thank you a lot. Okay, let's right. really enjoy your program. Well, thank, thank you, sir. Right. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how you doing, Lewis? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Great question All for right. you. Had a brake job done on my 03 Aztec uh-huh. Wednesday. Okay. And today I'm having a problem with my wheel speed ABS sensor. Okay. Can those two things be related? Oh, absolutely. Can absolutely. Changing the brakes oh, yes. somehow absolutely. cause a, a technician cause a problem for my sim. Sure. Assembly? Sure. We call that TIM. T-I-M. Technician induced malfunction. Oh. <laughs> now, I mean, it could possibly be unrelated but that yeah the abs sensor is right at the wheel about one inch away from the brake rotor now a number of things can happen number one is he could have bumped the wire disconnected it. he could have broke the sensor 
if he turned the rotors on the vehicle, he could have got a bunch of metal down in there, which is a magnet that operates that sensor. You're not ever supposed to turn the rotors on that on the car, but some people do. Number of ways that that could have occurred. Also, that vehicle has a problem. There's some updated wiring harnesses that actually address some problems like that. The wiring harness was kind of mediocre, I guess. If he got in there and he bumped it, he may have just revealed a problem that was going to happen anyway, so I don't want to blame him for sure, but I would go back to them first off and just say, hey, look, guys, after I picked it up, my ABS light came on. I just wanted you to check it and see if it's related. I wouldn't go in there accusing or anything else first and just let them look at it and just say, just tell me if it's related or not. And if they say, no, it's not related, then you may choose to have them fix it. You may choose to go somewhere else depending trust level you could also always take it to another shop have them check it and tell you and if they say hey it is related and then you can always go back so there's a couple of ways to handle that but i find it's always best to go in and you don't have to go back and eat a lot of crow in case it is a different problem <laughs> so i mean i just go in just strictly state the facts to say look guys i'm not blaming you for anything but right after you did the brakes on it my abs light popped on could check it over and see because i mean it may be a very simple mistake maybe they just knocked the wire while they went there and it's unplugged and they plug it back in and it goes out so maybe well, that's, that's what i plan to do I, this is the third time i'll be changing this hub assembly on the right side and i've already changed it on the left side mm-hmm. i didn't know whether this was one of those problems with gm like the intake manifold gasket problem why did you change the other two times what was it doing was it abs it was, light ABS light came on, okay. went in and checked it, well, and they said it was the sensor, see, and you have to change the whole hub. Okay, well, not- probably what's happening, and I'm just kind of guessing because I wasn't there, but probably what's happened is you got a bad harness assembly, the harness that goes to it. What they're doing is checking it, and they see no speed signal, so they say that the wheel bearing's bad, okay? So they unplug it, and they plug it. In the meantime, they shake the harness around, and it all starts working. They think they got it fixed, but then they go down the road, 10,000 miles later, 20,000 miles later, the harness goes out again. They go back and change the bearing again. Again, shake the harness around, it starts working again. I think maybe the problem's getting misdiagnosed. See, it could have been a wiring harness all along. Okay. Each time you go in there and shake it, get it to where it's working again for a while. Well, obviously, if you check and it says no speed signal coming out of it, that doesn't mean the sensor's bad. It just means the signal's not reaching the computer. You have to go well, a little was, bit deeper. When- when I hit the brakes, I get the the, the right, sensor activates. Up. Yeah, well, I get it, a lot of vibration in my pedal. Right. See, if it doesn't have a sensor signal, it's going to assume the wheel's not turning, which means the wheel's locked up. So you're just going to start pulsing, and the pedal's going to drop, and it's going you're going to ABS mode is what it's doing. But again, okay. the harness will do the same exact thing as a sensor. It's just another one of those cases about you got to diagnose it completely. You just go in and react to code that you get because it's always going to set a code for a speed sensor. But that doesn't mean the sensor's bad. Because that's how it's programmed. Right. That, the guy that wrote the program, that's how he wrote the program out. Right. If, if, if this happens, this light comes on, right. and it says if you no don't, signal from the sensor. If you don't see voltage here, then say the sensor. But again, yeah. if the wire is not making good contact, right. it's going to do the same exact thing. It was working fine two days ago, and right. now I had a brake job, and now it's not working. That's right. pretty suspicious to yeah, me. Yeah, I would it's, shake that wire, get them to shake that wire. If it starts working, chances are it's going to be that wire and harness, and that may be your whole problem right back to to the beginning you're changing a bunch of wheel bearings didn't need to be changed okay very good thank you all right all right thank you man bye-bye you want to be part of the automotive we would love to have you we're gonna take one last quick little break and we'll be right back with more and that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave hey it's the ask alphonse show with me alphonse the know-it-all cajun hey 
Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech Brian Terry here with me. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. And we're going to our phone lines with Josh. Good morning, Josh. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. Listen, I've got a Jag. I know they have a bad reputation, but mine has been pretty good to me. But mm-hmm. I've read on some blogs on the Internet mm-hmm. that it, the uh, engine has problems with the timing chain tensioners once you get, you know, up over 100,000 miles okay. or so. Mm-hmm. is that That's probably not a job somebody who's not real good at working on cars should do himself. That is normally a very, very complex job, particularly on an overhead cam engine like that. I would want to take that to someone who's not only very good with cars, but someone who has a lot of experience with a Jaguar. I would be looking for a European specialist, you know, someone who has done that job over and again. Because, for instance, at Agco, we do domestic cars and Japanese cars and got a tremendous amount of experience with it, but I wouldn't tackle that job just because I don't have the European experience. And in every car, I know it seems subtle, but there's major differences in the way they do things. I would be trying to find a European car specialist who has worked on those cars a lot and have them do it. Do you, I don't know if you guys may not do this on the air, but is, is there a place here? There's only four Jag dealerships in the whole state. Right, and I don't think I would use a dealership. Deal. I mean, no. I'm going to tell you, the dealerships are not necessarily going to be your best choice. I tell you, for a good just general information, Josh, go to my website. Right on the front page, it says how to find a great shop. Uh-huh. Read that and just apply that to Jaguar. And I think that'll put you in the right direction to where you can, when you talk to the right guy, you'll know him. Cool deal. All righty. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, All Josh. Right. Thank you, man. Right. Bye-bye. And we've got Fred online. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, guys. Good yes, morning. Sir. I've got a 2000 GMC 2500. Okay. Truck's in great shape. Uh-huh. No problems. My only issue is it's got the 454. Okay. And it's killing me on mileage. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for some advice. I don't want to get into a note right uh-huh. now. Yes, sir. Is there any way, I mean, it would, would it make sense to drop either a small V8 in it or even a big V6? No, sir. No. It's it's almost impossible because you would have to change the wiring harness. You'd have to computer. change the computer. You'd have to change so many, even the transmission. Almost everything on the car would have to be changed. You'd never, ever, ever save enough in fuel to pay for that, for doing that. I've got... An article on my site called Saving Fuel, Saving Money. You might read that article, and obviously it's not going to take you from 10 miles a gallon to 20 miles a gallon, but it might go from 10 to 13 or 14, which may be a little more livable for you. Right. Why don't you go in there and read that article and see, and then if you got any more questions, fire off an email, and I'll be glad to talk to you a little bit more off the air. All right, sir. All right, Fred. Thank you, man. 
Thank you. Bye bye. I think we maybe still squeak another call in there if you get by real real quick, quick. <laughs> real quick, just about out of time. Of course, if you don't get a chance to call in, that's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's a g c o a u t o dot com. That's easy way to get your questions answered. Right. Just hit that site and hit the contact bar. You can send Lewis an email any time of day or night, and he'll get it back to you within twenty four hours. There's also several databases you can right. search. There's the vehicle questions, which is a short to the point answer right. to a certain question. There's also the detailed topics question, which right. is an in depth several answer. paragraphs. Mm-hmm. answer to specific a specific question. topic. And of course, there's lots of other things on there. Two or three of the things that I particularly find useful. One is what they call a vehicle cost calculator. Mm-hmm. And there's three different ones in that can look at it from different perspectives. One is a buy-keep calculator, and that's where you can compare the cost of keeping the car you have to buying another car. One is a used new calculator where you can compare the cost of buying a used, used car card. to buying a new car. It right. takes in depreciation and several factors like that. And the third one is a fuel mileage savings calculator. Okay. And that one is a real eye-opener. What you can do is punch two cars in with different fuel mileages and see how much money you're really going to save. So there see if it's worth making that trade up to that car. Right. You may not ever save enough money to pay the difference. To pay the difference off. Hey, I see we're just totally out of time. I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.